0: I have an addiction, and uh, not going to come as a surprise to some of you, but for some you will. Uh, I'm addicted to shopping. I love, love, love to shop. I went yesterday to the mall. My wife uh, is traveling, and uh, so when she travels, that means I shop more than I normally do. So I went over to Opry Mills, got there early because I didn't want to fool with the crowd, so I end up, and here was the deal. My job was to return one item. There was a shirt I bought, didn't fit, so I was going to return the item. Well, I returned the item and left with three more items because, again, I love to shop. I love that uh, process. In fact, I bought these pants yesterday, and I, I, I didn't feel exactly right about them this morning, so I sent a picture to Lori, and I said, hey, how does these look? And she goes, where did you get those? And I said, well, out of Chris Malone's closet. And, um, <laughs> and so, anyway, that's kind of, but I came by it honestly. I promise I'm going somewhere with this. But I came by it honestly. My dad is a shopper. And so part of growing up, he and I would go to the mall. We lived a little bit uh, south of here, so we would come up, and we would spend like all day at Hickory Hollow Mall. For some of you don't even know what that is, but it used to be the mall in Nashville, two stories. It was like these four corridors, and you could shop all day. And so my dad and I just kind of grew up shopping. We would go into department stores and various places, and he'd pick something. What do you think of this? What do you think of that? And, And so I came by it very honestly. Most of the time throughout my life, I have been a responsible shopper, but there has been times that I have not been, and it's gotten me in trouble. I remember one time in college, I was at, at Lipscomb, this was 1996, uh, fresh out of Kentucky, I was uh, born and raised in Kentucky, and so this was like, you know, big city, bright lights, I'm down here, and so I felt like that I needed a little bit of new clothing, so I had saved a little money, or I would brought a little money, my dad actually gave me money to come and like buy food with, but I thought, I've got money, so I'm going to go shopping. So I went down to Cool Springs, and at that time they had this store called Parisian's, Well, again, coming from eastern Kentucky at that time, when I walked into Parisians, I went, whoa. And I was just, like, grabbing things. I was like, okay. And then I began to work on, you know, like, I've only got so much money in my pocket. And so I began to kind of formulate what went with what and what could I afford. And so I finally settled on a pair of jeans and a shirt. And that was going to be kind of what I was going to wear to school uh, kind of day one. And so I go up to the register, and there was a, a lady there who looked about my age, maybe a little bit older. And so she asked the question that changed my life. Would you like to save 20% on this today? (laughs) I went, well, about $100, 20%. Not great at math, but that's about $20. I said, well, yeah. She said, would you like to apply for a Parisian's credit card? I went, I don't know. I don't know anything about credit cards. She said, all I need is your license. I thought, oh, if all you need is my license, then sure. So I hand her my license. And so she kind of types some things into the computer, and out comes this receipt that says, You have been approved for a $1,500 credit limit. Now, who does that for an 18 year old? I don't know. And I thought, okay. So how do I use this? She said, well, until you get your card, you just use this piece of paper. Anytime you come in Parisians, just hand this to the cashier, and they'll, they'll get you going. I said, well, I've actually got some more shopping to do. <laughs> so I went and bought the other shirt and pants that I thought. And so, okay, and I, f- I didn't feel great about it, but the bill was about $200. And I thought, okay, I feel good about this. I had no clue how credit, credit worked. So over the next three weeks, needless to say, I maxed that out. I didn't know what maxed out meant at that time. Also, remember this. I gave them my license, meaning that all the information she put in, all the billing went to my house. So then the month comes, my dad gets a, and his name is Roger, like my given name is Roger. And so he gets a bill from Parisians to Roger Shepard. Now I go by Jason, so he opens this up. I mean, remember, he's in Pikeville, Kentucky. He opens this up and sees about $1,600, so he calls me. He goes, Jason, you know anything about a a $1,600 bill to Parisians in Nashville? I said, well, Dad, I I bought a pair of pants. He goes, no, you bought more than a pair of pants. (laughs) I said, well, but I needed these. He goes, I'm not asking you, did you need what is on here? I'm asking, what can you tell me about this bill that has my name on it? So we went through this whole process, and he explained to me that you understand that there's going to be a bill due at the end of the month. And I was like, well, no, I I don't. And and, and so I was like, okay. So we began to work through this, and my dad was able to teach me some things about credit. Now, he said, here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to bail you out on this. He said, you know, we kind of made a deal that you weren't going to work because I wanted you to focus on your grades and all those kinds of things. And then he kind of sternly told me, this is not to happen again, but I'm going to take care of this for you. I'm going to relieve you of this debt, and we'll figure out how to to kind of work through this as we go. My dad laid the foundation for what it is we're going to talk about today when I was 18 years old, because here's what I've not done. I've never, A, sent another bill to my dad's house. (laughs) But I've learned a lot about what it means to forgive debt. That in that moment, my dad didn't have to, but he did something for me in order to teach me a better way of living. In Matthew chapter 6, we've been working through this prayer. Here's what he says. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, I want to preface something today. Today is really, really, really challenging terrain for some of you. This is going to be something that is going to be very heartfelt. It's going to be emotional. It's going to stir some emotion. It may be even bring or drag some things back to the front of your mind that you have worked really, really hard to kind of push to the back of your mind. For some of you, this is going to be very sensitive. It is deep. It goes way back. It brings up maybe a world of pain and hurt and everything that goes with that. But... Hopefully what you will experience today, that you are in a safe place, you're in a safe environment to begin to work through some of these things. Some things that you have worked hard to forget, but you really haven't forgotten. Some things that you you would wish could be taken from you. And so I just want to say that today it's not to bring up the pain, it's to begin the process maybe for some of us to begin to heal some of that pain. To address it, to understand it, and then begin to practice it. Because here's why. This has great bearing on your spiritual, your physical, and your emotional well-being. And here it is. Verse 12, he says, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. I had a moment this week, and hopefully you're beginning, maybe you've had some of these moments. But last week we talked about daily bread. This week we're talking about forgiveness. And I had a moment like Thursday or so where I said, you know what? And it's not that I didn't know this, but maybe there was a renewed sense of this. I had a moment where I went, wow, Jesus, you really do know me. It was almost like something jumped off the page and went, I am known by Jesus. I'm known by God, the creator. It was this moment where I went, wow, you, you know exactly what I need. You know exactly what I'm going through. See, last week he deals with this daily bread. He goes, listen, there are going to be things in your life, Jason, that cause you great deals of stress because of physical things, how to feed and how to pay for and how to get through. There's all these physical things. And Jesus says, I know, I know that you, and some of you are dealing with, and go back and listen to last week, you're dealing with some, some physical needs. And I had this moment where I went, wow, Jesus, you really do know me. You knew I was going to need some of those things. And you had already figured out how you were going to provide some of those things. All you were waiting for was my willingness to step in and surrender to you. And then I read this week and I thought, wow, Jesus, you really do know me because you know that the number one emotional stressor in my life is unresolved issues with other people. Issues that you haven't asked forgiveness for or you haven't extended forgiveness. And it's like, Jesus, you know that, that, that all other issues emotionally that we deal with pales in comparison to unresolved relational issues that's either needing you to extend or receive forgiveness. And it was that moment where I went, wow. Jesus, can you help me then to step into some of those things? See, Jesus knew And this is what he's working us through, and you're going to see it kind of jump to a conclusion next week. But Jesus knows that there are things in life that we're going to need God to send to us. And then there are going to be things in our life where we're going to need God to send something away from us. Now think about anything you can think of in life, physically or emotionally. There are things you need to be sent, and there are things you need to be sent away. God, there are things you need to take away. Daily bread, God, can you send to me that which I'm going to need every day? On a very basic level, bread, those things that sustain me. Food, or maybe it's, and we filled in all the blanks last week, but God, I need you to send those things to me, and I'm acknowledging that you are the sender, you're the provider. And then we switch gears this week. God, there are some things in my life This forgiveness aspect, I need you to send those things away from me. And this works on two levels. God, there are things in my life, unresolved issues, this area and this arena of forgiveness, there are some things I need to you to send away from me personally. Guys, how many of you on a personal level would love for someone to come in and take from you or send away from you your shame? that is associated with something over here that you may think is unforgivable or that you may think that I can't ever get past, that it's going to haunt me. How many of us on a personal level would go, God, I wish on a personal level you would send away from me (laughs) disgrace and embarrassment. That again, something I stepped into caused, but now I'm in this moment where I don't know what to, and I feel disgraceful. I feel isolated. I feel lonely. I feel shame. I feel guilt. And in this verse, Jesus says there's going to be a sending away personally. But then we look at relationally, our earthly relationships. How many of us have have cried out and longed for either yourself or somebody in a relationship where you go, God, I wish you would send away the grudge. I wish you would take away, I wish you would send away bitterness and hostility and anger that every time I walk into the room, I feel, and, or if I think about going home for family reunion, I feel, or when I get to the office, I feel, God, I wish you would send that away from me. And Jesus knew there are going to be things that you're going to need God to send to you. And there are going to be things that you need God to send away from you. And that's what he does. In these moments where you say, God, I wish you could take this as far away. The psalmist in 103 says this He says, Here's what God does. As far as the east is from the west, they don't touch. He says, As far as those things are, that's how far He has removed our transgressions, our sins, our mistakes. God is sending away from us in this process of forgiveness. And so, in these moments where you go, I'm tired of this weighing me down personally, and I'm tired of it weighing me down relationally. This prayer is all about, God, take this away. God, can you send this away? In these moments that you're tired of staying up all night and dreading and knowing what's coming, and you don't know how to say it, you don't know how to resolve it, you've done what you can, but it still lingers, it's still unresolved, you just say, God, can you send this away? Can you take this away? In these moments where you're running from it, you're running from dealing with it, God send it away. And I think we can agree this is a big deal because we all deal with it. Every single one of us at some point in our relationships or in our personal lives, we deal with this unresolved, lingering concept of forgiveness. No one's exempt. Guys, this is such a big deal, and I may end up, I told our prayer team this morning, I said, I may end up just turning this into an entire series because we can't get to it all today. But it's such a big deal that after Jesus amens the prayer, he goes right back into this. And that doesn't count all the verses that Jesus himself, and then you look into his disciples and his followers, they are constantly telling their churches and telling the new believers and old believers, they're constantly telling them about forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. And it's such a big deal. And here's why it's a big deal. Not just because every one of us deals with it. Guys, it's a big deal because it's a gospel deal. It is the gospel. Think about it. Forgiveness is the gospel. Forgiveness is the good news. It's why Jesus came. It's the number one priority he had on his mind when he came as flesh and blood. As he, God, decided, you know what, I'm going to send my son to be a physical, a a human representative of myself. Think about it. Why did he come? To seek and save lost. To forgive. To provide forgiving. He came to accomplish forgiving. To offer redemption. To offer restoration. To provide salvation. And to take away or send away, what? Things that ultimately would keep us separated from God. This is a big deal because it's a gospel deal. And it's rough, rough terrain. And here's why. We tend to do okay with the first part of this. God, forgive me. And if you're not in a place where you even do well with that, we want to work you through that. But for for, for a lot of us, we're pretty okay right there. In fact, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I do this often. I've already asked God forgiveness three times this morning. And I do pretty well with that. I have an ongoing relationship and dialogue with with God where, God, I'm going to need forgiveness. And I need forgiveness. And God, man, I blew that one. And most of us have, have little issue. We typically don't have any issue with asking and asking often for that part in the prayer. But I hesitate. And I hit the pause button as we have also forgiven our debtors. See, that's not so easy. And I told you this is rough terrain because of the emotional roller coaster and the emotional baggage that comes back into this. This is downright tough. It's so tough to extend this. And I don't know if it's because in culture we like to win. And so when I enter into those waters of forgiveness, when I enter into those waters where I'm forgiving someone, I don't know if I feel like I lose in that. Maybe it's because we like to get even. Maybe it's just one of those, kind of like a physical wound, the deeper the cut, the harder it is for that to heal. And I get that, and Jesus gets that. Jesus understands that the reality of this is tough. Again, that's why he covers this over and over. But I found that in most of our lives, forgiveness is a wonderful concept until we have to give it, until we have to extend it. And releasing someone is hard. Releasing someone takes time. And releasing someone is a process. And so today, all I'm going to do is give you a couple starting places. I'm not going to give you the whole process. We don't have time. We don't have an opportunity. But let me just give you a starting point. Here it is. Paul is giving out some advice to a church in Galatia. And that's a church plant that he did, and he's got some new followers of Jesus, and he's got a few that have been following for a little while, not too long. But so everybody's trying to figure out these big issues in their life. And so Paul is giving some instructions, he's giving some encouragement, and he's dealing with all sorts of things, some things very similar to some things in our culture, and one of those things is this obstacle of forgiveness. And so he says, listen, let me give you a little advice, let me help you live differently tomorrow than you lived yesterday. He said, so let me give you a little bit of advice in this arena of forgiveness. Let me give you a starting place. And while it may not get you to a place of full release today, it will at least get you started. And here's what he says in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. There's the instruction. Now, he's going to give us the how. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. So in these moments when we find ourselves going, I, I just don't know if I have the capacity. I don't know how to, how to even go about doing this. I don't know where to start. I mean, can I really ever get past this? Can I forgive or can I be forgiven or can I? And we have all these things rushing in or, man, I, I just don't know if I can get completely past what they did. Jason, if you knew what they did or if you, uh, when you have those kinds of conversations begin to roll in your head, here's what I want you to do. And this is what Paul says, remember where you've been. Remember where you've been. Remember where you came from. And in that, have a moment of realization what God has done for you. He says, let that be the starting place. He says, God released you through your relationship in Jesus. All that stuff that you thought would never go away in your own personal life, those things that separated you from God, he says, remember where you've come from. And remember that God not only released you, he restored you. We talked about this week one when we talked about us being adopted into the family, that that there were no stipulations on that. The prodigal son, you know, God comes out and he greets and he hugs and he continues to give, even in spite of what we've done that separated us, that that completely turned our back. It's in these moments where we realize that not only did he release us, he restored us, and he continues to do that. See, and it's so vital then when we get to that place where Paul says to the Ephesian people, he says, listen, be kind, compassionate, forgive, and here's how this starts. Remember what God did for you. He said, because it's vital that your response, or at least in part, your response to that message is that you begin to facilitate that, that you begin to emulate this in your relationships. So how do we begin this process of releasing in our own personal lives but in our also collective lives relationally well it starts with remembering where I've came from remembering what God has done for me and here's the second one this is a big one for me I have to remember sometimes that I'm not at the top of the totem pole and in these moments where I do what Paul tells me and I stare into the grace of God I remember that wow I'm I'm not the most wronged. I'm not at the top of that totem pole. Grace helps me remember that. It reminds me of what I deserve and what I receive is two very different things. When I begin to understand that I'm not the most sinned against, I'll never be asked to out-forgive my God. That I don't sit at the top of the forgiving distribution chain. I began to go, wow, I, 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 maybe there is room in my life to begin to extend some of these. I'm not the top forgiver. Let me say it a different way, and guys, this, this completely changed it for me. I was talking with, with Leanne this week, and, and, and this, this just it, it came to me in a way of something I had read, and I went, wow, that, that's, this shapes all of this. Here it is. See, we see ourselves as sinned against first, and sinner second. So just walk with me for a second on this. We see ourselves, when we begin to look at the arena of forgiveness, unresolved issues, we tend to look at each other, either, whether it's a marital relationship, boss to employ, a neighbor, a family member, whatever it is. We typically walk to the table trying to resolve something as what? First. Sinned against first. I walk into a relation, or I walk into a conversation with Lori. I've already got loaded in my mind what she did, and it's only through a process of her convincing me that I finally get to a place where I understand, or at least in part embrace what I did. And guys, think about it. I bet most of the time you walk into an arena where at least you're seeking conversation about this and you view yourself as sinned against first and sinner second. But the gospel, and this is what Jesus does, he turns this upside down and says, listen, the gospel as I present it is quite opposite of that. You are first sinner I think of where Paul tells the Roman people, he says, listen, for everyone has sinned and fallen short. John, one of Jesus' right-hand guys, writes later on in 1 John, he says, if you claim to be without sin, he said, you deceive yourself. See, we are first sinner. We don't sit at the top of the totem pole. When we begin to see ourselves first sinner, then all of a sudden we can embrace that we are a sinner who is forgiven and continues to be forgiven by the cross. Then we can begin to deal with the things we experience that are wronged, where somebody drug something in. And when we embrace, and this is what this does, it inverts all this. When I walk into the arena of forgiveness, embracing that I am first sinner, then sinned against, here's what happens. And it's only in this does it begin to get easier. Not easy. But it begins to get easier, and here's why. We will find the strength to deal with whatever it is out of the overflow of the first. You catch that? Now walk with me. When you walk into that room and go, I don't know how, I don't know if this is possible, if you only knew the laundry list of what they've done to me, but if I can walk into that space knowing what has already been done for me, it becomes a little easier then to begin to extend that because I'm going to live out of the overflow of me first being sinner and that overflow is going to allow me to begin to deal with being sinned against. And God is going to do this over and over. And so here's where I kind of landed on this. It's not that we forgive in order to gain God's forgiveness. I don't think that's what Jesus is preaching. I think what he's telling us is that we forgive because... We've been forgiven. See, we're not trying to earn God's grace. We're not trying to earn his forgiveness. That's already been given to us on the cross. We are attempting in these moments where we view ourselves as sinner first. We are attempting in these moments to be an extension of the grace that was offered to us on the cross. And again, it doesn't make these things easy, but it sure does make it easier. We're sinners in need of forgiveness first before we were ever wronged. So let me give you a what if. What if we begin to extend forgiveness to the extent that God forgives it? What if we we walked into our relationships and said, listen, I'm going to extend grace and forgiveness to to the extent that God has extended it to me? How much of that would change the landscape of some of the issues that we deal with? Let me kind of invert that for a second. What if God only extended his grace and his forgiveness to the extent we extended? How much would that then change our relationships? Primarily our relationship with God. This is a big deal. Because when we neglect this, when we just leave this unresolved, when we shove it into a back closet... See, we neglect the major message of the gospel. But we also live enslaved by the side effects. Remember earlier when we talked about some of those things? See, we live by the side effects of unforgiveness. Shame, guilt, resentment, grudge, bitterness, anger, the list goes on. And Jesus says, listen... Pray in order to be freed from this in life. Free yourself, free others. And he, uh, he, it's like he knows. And I told you, he, it's like he knows me. Because he understands that what happens in my prayer life will begin to display itself in my daily life. And so God, every day, if I'm acknowledging I'm sinner first, but yet you forgive. God, I... I stacked up a Parisian's bill that is so big, but God, you stepped in and you bailed me out. God, you you knew I was going to make the mistake, but you loved me in spite of it. When I begin to practice that in my prayer life, I will begin to distribute this stuff in my daily life. I become grace-receiving, and it becomes easier to be grace-giving. And the grace I extend will be directly tied to the grace that I receive. Jesus says, listen, as you receive it, distribute it, share it, give it away, even when it seems crazy. And guys, there's going to be moments in life where it seems unfair and it goes against our human nature. Our human nature is what? To win. Our human nature is to to what? Eye for an eye. They get what they deserve. This is completely countercultural. By the way, we know that the whole getting even thing, it never works, right? Because we one up, and then they one up, and then we got to one up, and then they one up, and we end up in this big carousel. And in these moments where it doesn't seem fair and it seems crazy, understand this that God's gift of forgiveness, I think, is what enables us to live in a world that isn't fair. And in these moments where life crushes in, And you go, this doesn't seem right. Remember, God's grace and his forgiveness doesn't either. But that's what enables us to do this. And that's got to be enough. So here's the prayer. Our Father, great is your name. I surrender to you your will. I acknowledge you as provider. And God, will you allow that? to be the foundation where I realized I wasn't worthy, but you still gave. You still helped me. Now help me to be an extension of that. Stand with me. I want to share one more thing. It's going to be quick. I want to share one more thing, one more why, one more how. Remember where you've come from and that God met you in that place, and just erased. He removed it as far. Remember that you don't sit at the top of the forgiving totem pole. There's always someone that has forgiven way more than we will ever be required to. But let me give you one more thing. Galatians chapter 2. For through the law I died to the law so that I might live for God. Now catch this. I have been crucified with Christ, so no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me and for my mistakes. Bottom line, forgiveness is about being like Jesus. Being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. So when we claim Jesus, when we claim identity in Jesus, that I'm going to live as Jesus, forgiveness is a part of that package. And Jesus doesn't ask us to do anything or become anything that he's not already become. So for me to fully identify with who he is, and that is this gracious, forgiving Savior, it has to include me stepping out and being gracious and forgiving. And here's what happens in doing so. We model Jesus. So in those moments, for no other reason, walk into those situations and say, today I'm going to model Jesus. I'm going to model the gospel. And when you sit down at a table that doesn't seem fair, and it doesn't seem right, and it doesn't seem like that you should have to be the one dealing with this, could you walk into it going, you know what, I can't hold anything against them that Jesus no longer holds against them. And in that moment, you will begin to be freed. You'll begin to experience life at a free level. And, you know, I'm one that would never tell you, oh, just forgive and forget. It doesn't work that way. It's going to take some time. But I promise you in time, God will begin to heal those deep cuts and those deep wounds, whether it's you to him or it's you to someone else. And I pray that you live into that freedom, forgiven people, forgive people. It's, about, it's not about re- reciprocity, it's about God's kindness to me. So what's your next step? Maybe for you, your next step is this. I want to experience that forgiveness. I need to experience that and be certain of that so that I can begin to be an extension of that. Maybe for you this week, it's unclenching that grudge just a little, letting go little by little by little. That grudge that has set up camp in your heart maybe for a week or maybe for a decade. But I'm tired of it setting up camp. I'm tired of it living. And so, God, I need you to send it. Maybe for you it's just beginning to unclench on some of those things and trusting that God in his time will take control of that. Maybe for you it's giving your life to Jesus. And we we love telling you what that looks like. And we love to tell you about baptism. We love to tell you about what it is to be saved and to, to kind of be adopted into the family. Maybe for you it's community, connection, whatever it is. I pray that this week is filled with first steps and next steps as you journey at your pace and at your time with God in this collective community. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. God, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Father, today I pray that you release people who have been carrying some things a long time. God, you came through Jesus to bring freedom, and I'm going to pray freedom on this place. Father, for those that think they don't deserve to be in your presence and they don't fit into your grace, I pray that your spirit would overwhelm them and they will know that they are loved. And there is no place too high, too low, too wide, too long that your love cannot seek us out. God, it's in... Your love is so crazy and so amazing that we even called it reckless this morning, not because we think you're a reckless God, but because in our minds it doesn't make sense to the extent that you come and find us. So God, will you kick those walls? Will you destroy the lies in our own minds that keep us from knowing you and and releasing some of those things to you, God? And then I pray you take that and out of the overflow of that, You begin to heal and bring healing and that you would bring reconciliation and restoration and peace, God, to our relationships on earth. God, whatever that looks like in each individual's lives and each individual's homes in each individual's heart, God, I pray that you would direct them through what has been a source of so much pain and so much hurt that, God, you would bring healing. And even in situations where the relationship might not be restored, peace could still come in between that. So, Father, will you do only as you can do. You're the only one by which forgiveness is taught and modeled and provided in its purest, simplest, no-strings-attached form. So, God, help us to be not just receivers but distributors of that and change us and free us in the process. God, we love you. We thank you for doing what it is that only you could do through Jesus. And it's in his name we pray, amen.